turn to the Word of God now. So if you have your Bible, please turn to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, please. And we're going to lift out just two portions of Scripture from this chapter. I would advise you to read all the chapter. In fact, read before and after chapters as well. But just for time's sake and for our message this morning, we're going to lift out Exodus chapter 12, starting to read at verse 11, first of all. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now just let your eye go down the same chapter, please, to verse 21. Verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he saith the blood upon the lintel, and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in onto your houses to smite you. And do the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you now to take your word and wing it home to wherever your people are, whoever is listening now or later. And we pray, Father, you would bless them. We know there's people listening from the United States up early this morning to listen. And people even going to bed, Lord, and they're in Australia this morning. Would you bless them, Lord, for their faithfulness to come on? So we pray, Father, that you would meet all at the point of their need and help this man in his weakness to be able to bring your word, to break the bread of life, glorify your name, and may Christ alone be seen and exalted. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. And this morning we want to speak on a simple title, Stay Home, Stay Safe. Stay Home, Stay Safe. And you know the thing is that we're hearing, uh, especially, uh, it's everywhere, stay home, stay safe. And there are times when we are w wondering, is this a, a government control or is this for benefit or benefit for our health? And, and all of those things may be looked at at a different time. At this moment, I want to speak on stay home and stay safe. If you notice verse 22, at the end of the verse, it says, None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. And then in verse 23, at the end of it, it says, the Lord, it says And will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Moses was saying, stay home, 
stay safe. Notice here, at certain times for periods and end, we might wonder, is it good for us to be home for this length of time? And some people on their own, it's very lonely, and we think of people's mental welfare and, and health reasons and other things. But in the scriptures and the, the days of the, the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, they were told the night before the blessing actually came, before deliverance came, before freedom came, they were told, stay home and stay safe. For example, in our reading in verse 11, we have the preparation of the people. The preparation of the people. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The people were to be ready. So first of all, we have the preparation of God's people. Secondly, there's the passing through. That's in verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So there's the passing through and passing through Egypt this night. So we have the preparation, the passing through. And in verse 13, we have the passing over or Passover. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So in verse 13, it says the houses where you are. In verse 22, it says the door of the house, you shall not go out until the morning. And then in verse 23, he says the destroyer will not come in unto your houses to smite you. We want to look at some of this this morning. We want to look at the preparation of God's people, the passing through of the Lord, and the passing over of the Lord, or the preparation of God's people, the passing through of judgment, and the protection of the blood. The protection of the blood. Notice, first of all, the people were prepared. The people were prepared. They were to have their shoes on their feet, they were to have their loins girded and their staff in their hand and they were to be prepared and they were to eat the lamb. The word prepared is, an, is a, a word that really we, we know in our everyday life we must be prepared for work or we must be prepared for business or we must be prepared to come to church on a Sunday morning. Acts, Acts YZ, you know, we know all of these things about being prepared but here's a few prepares in the Bible, in God's word. In Amos chapter 4, and in verse 12, he says, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Now, Amos was a man from the southern kingdom of, his, of Judah. The southern kingdom of Judah uh, comprised of, of uh, two tribes and, and some of Levitical priestly tribe, which would have been like a two and a half or three tribes in it. And then you had the northern kingdom, which was the ten tribes in the north. And he came from the southern kingdom of Judah to the northern kingdom of the house of Israel. And there he prophesied against them because of their idolatry, because of their spiritual adultery against the Lord. And so he told them of pending judgment. He mentions, if you read the, the, that chapter, uh, chapter 4 in the book of Amos, he mentions all these peoples whom God was going to judge around about. And then it comes and he says, Now prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. It's strange, isn't it, whenever 
it's always somewhere else that it doesn't seem so bad. So if there's a, a famine in Africa or if, there's, if the, the disease was in, in China, it didn't seem so bad here in the British Isles, maybe in the United States, because it was out there somewhere or whatever goes on around the world. But it's when it comes to your door, that's when things begin to change. That's when we really start to sit up and listen, pay heed. And here Amos was saying, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. In other words, you thought because of who you are that it always happens to someone else, it'll never happen to you. It can happen even to ourselves when we stand around a gravesite. We always think it's someone else. It's some other family. It's some distress and mourning and hurt comes. But when it comes to our own door, we realize the depths of it. We realize the hurt of it. We realize the mourning in it. And, and it brings it home to us. And what this has done in the world, this COVID-19, has brought it to the realization to many men and women and to many hearts and minds uh, that these things are real. And when it comes to us, when it came into the British Isles, it came to us and it's, like, it's in our house now. It's as though it came in our door. And it's as though because we have been so, as it were, surrounded by the waters of the channel from Europe and even from across the sea and the Atlantic, the North Sea above us and so on, we feel that we're, we're insular uh, and we're set apart in that way. And God has set us like that. But at the end of the day, it still come into us. I think of the way our nation was, our people were. I think of the, the mass abortions in our land and so many other things and, of sin and depravity and wickedness and godlessness and throwing God out of everything. And yet we could have said, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. We could have shouted, I prepare to meet thy God, United Kingdom, Ireland, and so on. And you know, what it means is, is at this time, there's a, 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 a judgment, as it were, that people are finding on the earth but there's a greater judgment here where we have an eternal judgment for our souls. An eternal judgment for our souls. And so when Amos says, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel, he's saying it's coming to your door. It's coming to your house. It's coming, O house of Israel, it's coming to your door. It's coming to your people. And so it was to try and waken them up, as it were. God was pleading with the people to turn unto him. And I wonder how many through this has turned. I know people's hearts have been stirred and have been awakened. We give God the glory for that. And that shows God's mercy and love toward us, that he wants you to turn unto him. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Just uh, uh, our CET members and friends and visitors will know, just outside our main sanctuary here, uh, as we walk down through, it's a, a walkway through, and it turns around twice out to the street. And just as you're coming in from the street, there we have... You turn around and there it is on the wall, prepare to meet thy God. And you know, we can prepare to meet God either as our judge or prepare to meet thy God as your savior. Which one is it for you? I know for me, he's my savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is my redeemer. And so prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared to meet the Lord? And then in Mark chapter one and verse three, Mark chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord, now to the southern kingdom, or what was left of Judah, he is now 
prepare, uh, preparing the people by the, by the crying out unto the people to get ready for the Lord was coming. Thankfully, at this time of John the Baptist, he was coming in grace. He was coming to the cross. He was coming to shed his blood. He was coming as the lamb. But friend, here's the thing. The church should be, and I, I hope we are, uh, crying to the people, to the nation, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight his path. In other words, they used to straighten paths and used to, uh, any dips on the road, they would have filled it out and they would have made the paths straight and as possible for some sort of monarch that was coming to visit another land, another kingdom or another nation, an emperor or whoever was coming. They sent them, their, their, their voices went before and with men crying unto them, our emperor, our king is coming Will you prepare the way? And it could have taken months before he even came, or even years, and they started work to prepare the roadworks, and even taking down parts of hills and mountains to bring them through. In other words, what will it take in your life for you to be prepared to accept Christ? What was it? What is the shake-up? What is the make-up? What is the break-up? What is the is it that God needs to do for you to be ready to be prepared to meet the Lord? And so here, John the Baptist is saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Be prepared for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saying that, as it were, as the John the Baptist voice in the church, or as the spirit of Elijah in the church, we're saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. What does it take, nation? What does it take, United Kingdom, Ireland, United States, and Canada, and Australia? We could go on and on and on. What does it take for men and women in the nations to be ready? What does it take for them to turn to the Lord, to wake up and realize that the King is coming, and you must be ready for Christ will return, but not as a lamb. He's returning as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So there's another prepared. Are you prepared? Here's another one. The Lord Jesus says in John 14. And verses 2 and 3. He says in my father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so. I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am. There you may be also. Now we know that this is read. And spoken of in funerals. But this speaks of the second coming of Christ. I'm going to prepare. I'm coming again. I go to prepare. Jesus is preparing. Jesus is preparing. And he's coming again. He's saying, and if you're prepared, you'll be with me. You'll be where I am. So are you prepared? Heaven or the kingdom of God is a prepared place for a prepared people. You might say, well, how do I be prepared? Well, how you're prepared is that you repent of your sin. That means you, repentance is a change of mind leading to a change of heart. And it finishes with a 180 degree turn from your sin and following God, leaving the world to follow the Lord and to walk before the Lord. Being by faith washed in the blood of the Lamb. Being by faith cleansed in the blood of Jesus by claiming the merit and the efficacy of the precious blood that Christ has shed for you, and that will prepare you. One more, and as in Luke 22 and verse 8, it says, and, and he, that is the Lord Jesus, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. So they had to prepare the Passover, and that brings us right back 
to Exodus chapter 12 again. Preparing the Passover, the people were to set this uh, spotless lamb to the side. They were to take it and they were to slay it. They were to eat it. And the blood was to be upon the doorposts and the door lintels. It's all a foreshadowing and it's all a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. So they were prepared that night of Passover. They were prepared by the blood. Notice the blood was in basins. If you look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 22, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. Notice the blood that's in the basin. If the blood was shed by the lamb, it was put in a basin. But if the blood remained in the basin, the blood would not count. In other words, the blood must be applied. It had to be put upon the doorposts and put upon the door lintels, and it was the blood that God would see on the doorposts and the door lintels of the house. So you might say, well, I believe Jesus died for me. There, that's enough, is it not? I, I believe all that stuff. You know, if the blood of the lamb is not applied to the heart of the man, if the blood of the lamb is not applied to the heart and life of the woman, then that blood is not cleansing you. That blood has no power on you. The blood must not remain in a basin but the blood must be applied. So they were prepared by the application of the blood. Secondly, they were prepared by the eating of the lamb. They say they eat all of it. Your family has to eat all of it. The eating of the lamb, or if you want, the taking in of the lamb. The lamb was to be eaten whole, not in part, but whole. All of it was to be eaten. And so they were to eat the lamb. So they had the blood shed and the blood applied. Um, in the house, they had the lamb eaten, taken in. And you see, the thing is, the Lord Jesus Christ is the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 and verse 29, again, it was John the Baptist who cried that. And since he is the lamb of God, in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, the apostle Paul says, Christ our Passover has been sacrificed or is sacrificed for us. And so he is the Lamb of God. And so we find here that the Lamb was to be taken in or eaten whole. Nothing left. Not a part of it and a part left, but eaten whole. In other words, he must be within you. All of him. You must believe in all of him. All of Christ's work. All of Christ's doing. All of Christ's sacrifice. You must believe in all of Christ's word. All that Christ has done. You must take it in. You must believe in him wholly, fully, only, solely, completely, and uniquely, totally. Here they were to eat the lamb in its entirety. And the lamb was to be taken in wholly. So that's how they're prepared. It's not a matter of saying, oh, well, I'll try this Jesus thing. Just forget about it, friend, because Christ is either, it's either all of him or none of him. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And here we're finding that they were prepared. The blood was shed and applied. The lamb was slain and, and taken 
in its fullness. Something else in their preparation here. Thirdly, their loins were girded. Their loins were girded. You know those big long robes? If they had to get up and move out quickly when the Lord said, they had to be ready to act on the bare word of God. They had to be ready to obey the bare word of God. They had to be ready that when God said it, they done it because he meant it. And what they done was they girded up their loins, they gathered their long robes up, and they tucked it, as it were, under their belts, that it wouldn't trip them up, that when they were leaving in haste, there was nothing holding them back. Can I ask you, friend, what is tripping you up this morning? Christian, what is tripping you up in your life this morning? What is tripping you up in your heart this morning? What is it that is holding you back from going on and immediately following the Lord and laying down the things you shouldn't have taken up and holding on to the things you shouldn't have grabbed hold of? What is it that's holding you back? And maybe someone not saved. What is it that's holding you back from going on this moment, this very day, this very hour? What is it that's holding you back? Who is it that's holding you back from following the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it family? Is it friends? Work colleagues? Who is it that's holding you back? You must be prepared and you must be ready. So the blood was shed and applied. The lamb was taken in its fullness. The loins were girded up. Nothing to trip them up nor hold them back. Shoes on their feet. Shoes on their feet. You see, the thing is, when you come into a home, you left the shoes at the door and the feet were generally washed. And so the, the feet were clean inside. So shoes were not worn in the house. Shoes were not worn in the house. But here, the Lord said through Moses to Israel, put your shoes on your feet and keep your shoes on. Now that's against every tradition they know. That's against every tradition they know. That's against what society expects of them because they were going to put their shoes and their feet inside their house. Can I ask a question then? What tradition, what in society must be broken off you to believe that your salvation is only in Christ and in the bare word of God? And what God says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what God says that, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. What is it that holds men and women back? Sometimes it's their tradition of church. Tradition of church will not save you. Tradition of ceremony, tradition of ritual will not save you. And you must have, as it were, your shoes upon your feet. Strange, is it not, that the, that, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us of the whole armor of God. Notice, the whole armor of God. Remember, it's the whole lamb within us, the whole armor on us. The whole lamb within us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now it's the whole armor on us. And one of the pieces of the armor is the gospel of the shoes of the gospel preparation of the gospel of peace the prophet says how beautiful and it's it's also uh, said by the apostle uh, uh, paul in the book of romans how beautiful are the feet of those who preach glad tidings or preach the gospel friend your feet uh, mark you out for where you've been in life your feet mark you out for what you've done in life and where they have carried you and what you've traveled and ran to 
Oh, but if your feet are washed, as it were, because you've come to Christ, put the shoes on of the gospel, take not them off, and be ready to go out and tell others of the hope that lies within you. Be ready to preach the word of God, to teach the word of God, to tell the word of God, and to speak the word of God, Christian. This is a time, a time like, as it were, in Egypt. It was a time nationally, and it's a time personally. And then there was the staff in their hand. I'll tell you why the staff was important. It was a walking aid, yes. It was a defense at times, yes it was. It was all of those, but it was the diary. You know, you get your diary and you write in it today and tomorrow, such and such a date, and you write down your, your, what was said or what was done on those certain days. Well, the staff also was a diary. So bring your diary and look on it and see where God has blessed you. See where God has redeemed you, Israel. See where God has brought you out. Bring your staff because you're going to need it because in the wilderness you're going to see the wonders and the glories of the Lord. And so what they did was they put a notch in it. And some notches were bigger than others depending on how they deemed what was significant in their life. But can you imagine the notches that must have been on some of those staves that when they were brought through the Red Sea? Can you imagine whenever they, they seen the manna on the ground in the morning, even though they murmured and they complained, if they had have done the notches on, the, on their staff, they could have looked upon it and said, well, God, you came through here. You blessed us there. You were with us in this other place. And God, here's a notch that reminds me when you opened the sea, when you, you took us from Egypt and when you... you you brought in the manna and you give us the water to drink out of a flinty rock. And, and here and here and here was the blessing of the quail and so on. You defended us from our enemies. You've kept us thus far. So I know since all of this I'm reading my diary. You will not let us go and you will not forsake us. So we find here they were prepared. They were prepared. Notice the lamb that says... Ye shall eat it in haste. Verse 11. Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. Why in haste if they've got all night? Well, obviously it was a lot of eating and a lot of preparing. Notice, this shows the willingness of Israel to leave Egypt. If ye eat it in haste, I'm willing to go. It gives that idea of that anxious passion, drive, and desire. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. And it gives the idea they're eating it in haste because they can't go until it's finished. They're being prepared in the house. They're being prepared to go out when the Lord said to go. It shows the willingness of Egypt to leave. I ask you, how willing are you to leave the world to come to Christ if you don't know him? Here's another thing. It was easier and it was quicker to get Israel out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of Israel. I'm going to say it again so you can pick it up. It was easier to get Israel out of Egypt that night they left through the blood it was easier and quicker to get Israel out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of Israel because their hearts still panged and yearned when difficulties came for that world. 
Let me ask you a question. Is Egypt still in your heart? Is Egypt still in your mind? Is Egypt still in your life? Is it you, you, you yearn and you pang or when things go wrong, oh, the world's always there. Like, you know, it's always that backup call in case you need to run to it. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you back in Egypt was slavery. Back in Egypt was death. Back in Egypt was destruction. Back in Egypt, that wasn't as good as you think it was because in our minds, we always believe there's more blessing there. Ask the fisherman men who said, I go a-fishing this night and caught nothing when they went back to that which Christ had called them from. There's nothing in the world for you. There's nothing in the world for you, Christian. Go on in God and trust in him. Scholars say to eat in haste also, it means that uh, to eat with an anxious haste. Um, anxious haste. Eat the lamb, eat it whole, eat it now. Eat while you can, eat while it's still possible, eat this moment. Commentator Alan Cole says this, this can be explained only in terms of mingled dread and anticipation of God's visitation upon the first Passover night. Let me say it again. This can be explained only in terms of mingled dread and anticipation of God's visitation on the first Passover night. Now listen, what he's saying is here, if what God is saying is going to happen, and they believed it with all their hearts, the blood was on the doorposts and the door lintels. The blood was there and they were ready. They were eating the lamb. And as they were eating the lamb, they were anxious about it. There was an anxiousness about the haste. Not only because what happens are they not finished if they haven't taken the whole lamb. Are they right to walk? Are they walking right? But the idea of, of it was is they are saved by the skin of their teeth. Not because of who they were. Not because of what they could do. Not because they could add. Not because they could lend their own strength or powers or ability, but because they were solely, only and uniquely, totally, completely relying on the grace of God through the blood that they would come out of Egypt. And listen, we always say as Christians, oh, won't it be a glorious day when Christ returns? And friends, we know it will be for those of us who are saved, who are prepared, who are ready who are serving the Lord. We, will, we know it will be a glorious day, but also there's going to be a day when it's going to be a time we should be anxious in the sense that there's going to be horrific and a terrible harvest of those who have rejected Christ. That's scary. Even Christians, the, the, many, the amount of Christians who, especially at the start of this covid 19 pandemic as it's called who have contacted me who were frightened from all over who were frightened at this time uh, of it and I was, I was surprised at their fear cautious yes be careful yes do what's right to keep yourself healthy and well absolutely and yes but those who were frightened and afraid and even saying the Lord could be back with an anxiousness I think it gives us all even the Christians a wake-up call, listen, that the day of the Lord is a dreadful day. It's a dreadful day. And yet we look forward to it with anxious haste to be taken to him as believers. So the blood was applied. The lamb was taken. 
Their loins were girded, shoes in their feet, staff in their hand. They had at it in haste, and they are ready to leave at the command of the Lord. Secondly, we look at the passing through. The passing through. It says in verse 11, at the end of the verse, it is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Now notice this. I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. The little ending, tail ending of verse 11 says, it is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover, or, or it's the Tetragrammaton, or, which is Y-H-W-H in our English lettering. Yahweh's Passover, or Yehovah, his Passover. Notice, the word Passover here is Peshach. And the Passover or the Peshach is primarily, this is important, is primarily referred to the victim and secondarily to the feast. Notice, primarily to the victim, secondarily to the feast, in which the victim was the central feature. And this can literally be translated, it is a Passover victim for Yahweh. The lamb was a Passover victim for Yahweh. Now listen, Christ is our Passover, but let me get one thing straight. He was not a victim. He gave his life freely. He gave his life freely. That is the glorious, wondrous splendor of Christ. He gave his life as the lamb of God freely. And he not only was a victim, or pardon me, he was not only was he not a victim, he was a victor, victorious. He did it in power. He did it as his father had commanded him. Notice the Passover lamb is the central feature and not the feast of Passover. The Passover lamb is the central feature. In other words, Christ must have the preeminence. Christ must have the preeminence. It was about the lamb. It's about the sacrifice. It's about the blood. And this lamb was the Peshach of Yahweh. Here Christ is the Peshach of Yahweh. In other words, here the son is the sacrifice given from the father. I will smite all the firstborn, the Lord says in verse 12. Let's look at the firstborn for a moment. Exodus 22 And verse 29 says, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors, and, pardon me, the firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Notice, we always hear of the firstborn in Egypt being slain. Horrific, absolutely terrible. Horrific. But here the Lord said unto Israel later, I want your firstborn not to die but to live for me. I want your firstborn to give on to me. You're saying this, my firstborn son is giving, given on to you, Father. He's yours. That's what the Lord was looking here. And so the the firstborn was to be given over to the Father. In Exodus 13, verses 11 and 12, we have a reference. We have a reference here. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, and he swear unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee. Thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, 
And every firstling that cometh of, the, of a beast, which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break its neck, and the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. Notice here, redemption in the firstborn. In other words, there was a firstborn in Israel to be given unto the Lord and to the service of the Lord. Israel's, Israel, pardon me, Israel didn't understand many things about God's law at this point. They didn't understand many things about God's law as they walked the wilderness. But what they didn't realize that the Lord was preparing them for a life and for living in the land of Canaan. He was preparing them. And see the things you go through, friend, brother, sister, and the Lord. Do you see the trials and the troubles and the things that are happening and the struggles and the spiritual battles and all of those things that we go through? God can use all of them for his glory. But what he's doing, he's preparing you for Canaan land. He's making you to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, let me take the words of, of one of my friends, Pastor Jennings. We're in training for reigning. We're in schooling for ruling. That is with the Lord. And as Pastor McConnell, I pastor, used to always say, this life to the believer, this life is a training ground for the life that is to come. You're in your training and you're in your schooling for ruling. Firstborn. Why the firstborn? Notice this. The firstborn was always regarded as the best. The firstborn was the best. And so the Lord was saying, I want your best. The firstborn was always given to God because it meant they put God first. Are you putting God first? Do you put Christ first in your life? Christ first in your heart? Christ first in your doings? Is Christ first in your life? It meant they give the first fruits, the firstborn unto God. And also the firstborn reminded Israel that God regarded them as his firstborn and his favored. That's what it reminded them. In fact, in, the, in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 11 and verse 7, the Lord says, it will be known that I put a difference between Israel and the Egyptians. And notice here, the firstborn also reminded them that Israel... Uh, pardon me, it reminded Israel that God spared their children under the blood, but not those of Egypt who were not under the blood. This was to remind them of the, the horrific nature of what had happened, and only the blood could bring salvation and redemption. And the firstborn also reminded them, Israel, of Yahweh's lamb, his victim. In other words, it reminded them of the giving of the innocent, that the guilty might go free. Matthew 1 and 25, it says of Mary, and knew her, that Joseph knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Mary's firstborn was Jesus, and he was the son of God, the only begotten son of God. Romans 8 and verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his Son, 
that we might be the firstborn, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Christ is the firstborn. He gave his son. He's the firstborn. And Colossians 1 and 15 says, who is the, of Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The firstborn there doesn't mean that he was created by the way, as some people try to say. Let me put it in the words of Kenneth, Kenneth Woosh from his Greek New Testament and word studies. Colossians 1 and 15, that Christ was the firstborn of every creature or creation. Notice, he says of Jesus, who is a derived reproduction and manifestation of the deity, the invisible who has priority to and sovereignty over all creation. In other words, he is the bringer forth of all creation. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 28 says, through faith he kept the Passover, that is Moses, and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Bringing us back to Exodus chapter 11 again. And then Hebrews 12 and 23 says, Of us who are saved, we are the church of the firstborn, or, or the ecclesia of the firstborn. The ecclesia was a gathering of citizens called out of their homes into public gatherings and assemblies. Not strange, called out of their homes. So when we leave, as it were, our homes, when we, as it were, leave the world, when we are called on to Christ and gathered on to him, we are the ecclesia. We have been called out of this world system onto him. Thirdly and quickly, the protection of the blood. Exodus 12 and 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the shed blood must be applied. Notice the applied blood is the only acceptance of the Lord when I see the blood. This proves the security of God's saints. When you're under the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's applied to you, this proves the security of God's saints in two facts. Here's the two facts, Christian, of your security in Christ. First of all, you're secure by the fact of the preciousness of Christ's blood to his Father. You're secured by the preciousness of Christ's blood to his Father. And secondly, you are secured by the faithfulness of God to his own promised word. You're, by the faith, you're secured by the faithfulness of God to his own promised words. The lamb must die so that we might live. The blood must be applied so that they might be redeemed. And God's loving election of Israel did not by itself protect them from death. I want you to see this. No, it was by his grace. He must provide redemption through blood. Salvation by substitution of a sacrifice. The blood was on the house, but they had to stay in the house. No good saying, I'm putting the blood on the house, and then I'm leaving. Outside was the plague. Outside was the danger. Outside was the death angel. Outside was the Lord in judgment. 
Exodus 12 and 13 says, The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. The word token means, it's a word oath, and it means a signal. It means a distinguishing mark, a banner, or a sign. You and I are under a distinguished mark, a banner. We're under the sign of the blood. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Listen, God looks for the blood. The day when you stand before God, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel, he had said. And you prepare to meet God. The only thing that will save you from an eternal punishment and a lake of fire is that God will recognize the blood of the Lamb, the blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're without the blood. God sees only the blood, accepts only the blood, and recognizes only the blood because the Father makes much of the blood of his Son. The shed blood of the Lamb, the applied blood of the Lamb, the protecting blood of the Lamb, the shed blood in verse 6, the applied blood in verse 7, the protecting blood in verse 13 of Exodus 12. Claim the blood. That's faith. That's spiritual. Claim the blood. Stay indoors. Stay home. Stay safe. That's practical and sensible. None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. In other words, until this is over past, stay home to the morning. I'm closing with this. Psalm 30 and verse 5. For his anger endureth but for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. There's joy coming in the morning. There's joy coming at the end of this. And Isaiah, reverting back to this, it's believed in Isaiah 26 and 20, says, Come, my people, enter thy into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until this indignation be overpassed. Stay home and stay safe. I feel that this moment in time you must be prepared. I feel I have to tell you, be prepared. Be ready. Be washed in the blood. Have wisdom and use it. May God bless his own holy and inspired word for Jesus' sake. We'll see you, God willing, tonight, this evening at 6 p.m. I'd love you to come on and share to your page to help us get the word out. And we're also live now on YouTube. So some will be using YouTube and some here on Facebook, you can find us on the both. But tonight, we will have no YouTube. But on Sunday mornings, we will have until we get our church up and running again. Then we'll go back to YouTube morning and evening. May God bless you all. May God strengthen you all and keep you all. Let us pray. Father, take your word. And we pray that Christ would be exalted in many hearts this morning. We pray, Lord, that those who do not know your Son as Lord and Savior, and Lord, we pray that they would come to a saving faith and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would have the blood applied to their hearts, that they have their, the blood applied to their minds, Lord, and their spirit and their soul. We pray, Father, that they would take in its entirety the Lamb of God and all that he's done and the work that you have accomplished there, Lord Jesus. Glorify your name and glorify your Son. Father, bless your people. Keep your hand upon us. We pray, Father, that you, Lord, would cover us 
in the blood of the Lamb. We love you and we worship you. We ask it in Jesus' name.